This is the watershed moment when we get into 2 Kings 17. This is the chapter that you want to remember because this is when the northern ten tribes go into captivity. And God, and the reason I'm reading these things to you in Deuteronomy, because God promised them, if you do this, I will bless you. If you don't do this and you follow after strange gods and go after them, then this is going to be what's going to happen. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob begins chapter 17 in 2 Kings with a warning from God in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. In this warning, God tells the children of Israel that there will be blessings for obedience, but curses for disobedience. While studying the book of 2 Kings, we've learned that the northern tribes lacked kings that did right in the sight of the Lord. Chapter 17 in 2 Kings is the culmination of all the evils produced by these kings, and in fact, when the northern tribes entered into captivity by the Assyrian Empire. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins this lesson. What a joy to be together, even on a night where it's uh, kind of treacherous out. It's really not that bad, is it? It's, uh, once you get on the roads, uh, it's not so bad. But praise the Lord. Hey, this evening, let's open our Bibles to Second Kings chapter 17. And while you're there... Put your finger there in that place and also turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Yep, 28. Deuteronomy 28. Uh, this evening, we're going to be looking at a very difficult time. In fact, it's, it's really a watershed moment in the life of the children of Israel and if I had to put a title on this evening's message, it could be um, there's a phrase, and I have to <laughs> I thought I'd remember it. Um, coming full circle, coming full circle. And what do I mean by that? Whenever you think of the, the phrase coming full circle, it means that there was something that began. And um, whether it's a promise or a, a prophecy, and God, through the process of time, he brings it right around to the fulfillment of it, and things come full circle. And um, life can be like that sometimes, you know, you, and, and, you know when you're young, you're, you're born, and you're, you're in fetal position when you come out, and when you leave this earth, if you have many years behind you, you sometimes go in that same position, you know, as we get older and older and older, and if, you, if you're fortunate enough to live many years, but it has a way of, uh, of coming full circle, and I'm not talking about the circle of life, okay, this is not the Lion King, uh, 
<laughs> but coming full circle, and look at me, look at with me, Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to look at the first 14 verses. And I'm going to go here with you because this is really what is happening here. Uh, God is coming full circle with the children of Israel because he had made promises to them. He uh, gave them uh, prophecy, actually, and told them that there would be blessings of obedience and there would also be curses for disobedience. But let's look at the positive first in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 through 4. Notice what it says. Let's read that together. It says, Now if it shall come to pass, if, and notice the, um, this is what they call a conditional promise. Whenever there is an if-then statement, it's conditional. If you do this, then I will do this. That's conditional, right? The promise or the, the certain things are based on conditions. And we know that there are times when God has made promises to us and even to the children of Israel, to the church, and it's an unconditional promise, meaning there's no conditions attached to it. God says he's going to do something and he does it. But there are other times, and this is a good example, uh, when he's speaking to the children of Israel, he gives them a conditional promise. If you do this, then I will do this. And notice in verse 28, or chapter 28, verse 1. Now it came to pass. Now, and remember, this passage is being spoken to the children of Israel as they are literally in the area of Moab. After they had come out of Egypt, they'd wandered in the desert for 40 years, and finally they're right on the precipice. They're right on the eastern side of the Jordan River in Moab, and they're about ready to cross over the Jordan River, and by doing so, come into the promised land, the land that God had promised the children of Israel, going all the way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Land that God had promised them. And so as he's rehearsing this there, the Lord, speaking through Moses, tells him, If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that, and there's the condition, that the Lord your God will set up, set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Notice the, 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 the condition there. If you obey my commandments, then I'm going to bless you. And I want you to pay attention to this uh, as we go through. God is going to be blessing them and promising blessing for obedience. And most of the, and, and all of these promises really are based on their, their, their lives, their livelihood, their, the agriculture, the land that they're going into. There's really no spiritual promises in that regard like we have uh, that God has given the church. These are all tied to the land and their way of living and their, the fruitfulness of their bodies, the fruitfulness of their fields, and you know, being able to conquer their enemies. And of that, it's all very um, that earthbound in a sense, right? He says, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, verse 3, he says, this is what's going to happen if you do my commandments, if you observe them. Uh, and he says, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Yes, the offspring of your cattle, that wonderful uh, porterhouse steak and ribeye that comes from a, a really wonderful cow. Isn't it beautiful? So anyway, blessed be, verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. 
The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. And here it is. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways... Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of Jehovah, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods, and in the, fruitful, in the fruit of your body, and in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. And if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to do the right to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. And so you can see right here, God just showing them the blessings of obedience. And if you think of it, what a wonderful thing, just to be obedient to God. And you know, he doesn't really expect or demand from us just to to, to love him. You know, so many people are trying so hard to, to do things according to the law, and they get so frustrated because they're doing it all in the power of their flesh. And the wonderful thing about being a believer in Christ is we have the Holy Spirit in us, and, you know, sometimes we just need to relax and let him do it and not think about our sins so much. Because, you know, have you noticed that when you think about something, you, you, you know, it's still on the front part of your mind. Forget about it. Focus on him. And here's the secret if you focus on him, you're not going to be thinking about how long it's been since you did whatever. Is that, do you follow? And I know that's true in my own life. The more I focus on my problem, the more the problem is still in my, right in my face. But there's something wonderful about you know, just getting lost in, in Christ and, and looking to him and looking in his word and allowing him to change me. And the more I'm focused on him and the good things, when I behold his face, all this other stuff is not so significant anymore, and it no longer has a pull. It no longer has a draw on my life. But notice what it says in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28. We're just going to read, um, but it says, but, you, but it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And he goes on for quite a long time, basically nullifying everything that we read about in the blessings of obedience, he turns it on its head and says, just the opposite is going to happen to you. But look at with me, uh, turn the page and go, go over to verse 58, and we're going to read that until verse 68. So the remainder of the chapter outlines the curses of disobedience, and many of them are, um, there's a lot more curses than there are blessings. Did you notice that? The curses for disobedience, are, it goes on for quite a while. And there's something about that psychologically that makes me want to rethink what I'm doing. <laughs> right? When God gives me a list this long, and, and these all look really good, and then I see this other list, and it's like, these are the curses for disobedience. I think I want to take list number one. Can I have door number one again, please? And, and, and that's a good thing to do. But notice, 
Let's look at this, and I'm reading this on purpose because it's going to fit right into what we're going to look at. Notice verse 58. If you do not carefully observe, I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter, um, you know, 27, 28, 29, and 30. Um, observe, if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. If you do, if you do not carefully do that, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. Do you think God is serious about sin and obedience? He is. And he goes on and he says, You shall be left few in number if you disobey me, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Now think about this, what God is doing. He's giving them... The, the conditions, he's saying, this is what you need to do. And if you don't, then this is what's going to happen. Do you see the, the consequences, the, the results of, you know, what does the Bible say? For the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of sin is death. And that's basically what he's saying here. If you do this, you're going you're gonna to go through, and I'm going to tear you, or be, you're going to be plucked off the land which I gave you. And tonight, the reason why this is so um, poignant is because that's exactly what we're going to see. This is the watershed moment when we get into 2 Kings 17. This is the chapter that you want to remember, because this is when the northern ten tribes go into captivity And God, and the reason I'm reading these things to you in Deuteronomy, because God promised them, if you do this, I will bless you. If you don't do this, and you follow after strange gods and go after them, then this is going to be what's going to happen. And notice what he goes on further. He says, not only will you be plucked off the land which you go to possess, this promised land that I've given you, then the Lord, and it gets even worse, then the Lord will scatter you among all the peoples, among all the nations, from one end of the heaven or the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone, and among those nations you shall find no rest, no rest for the sole of your feet having a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You're going to fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning, you're going to say, oh, that it was evening. And in the evening, you're going to say, oh, I wish it was morning because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which, he, which I said to you, you shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. What a horrible thing. Think of this. And what is God saying in this? The Lord warned them hundreds of years prior to this. Hundreds of years. God would have to now follow through on the consequences of their sin and disobedience. Now, this is not going to be an easy time tonight, but to me, it, 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 there, there's a comfort. I, I don't know if you 
feel this way, but as I look around in the world today, you know, the Bible says that in the last days there is going to be lawlessness, and because, um, and because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. And we see such lawlessness in our country and in the world, and we don't see a whole lot of justice, do we? We see people committing heinous crimes, being let go and on the streets, and the very next day going out and killing the person that they got arrested for earlier in the morning. These things are happening, and there's no justice. And there's something about righteousness and justice. Do you find it in your heart delightful when, even yourself, when you're busted for something that you've done? You don't like it, but you know there's a boundary, and God has set those boundaries. And any good parent does that. A parent will give to their son or daughter boundaries, and boundaries are wonderful because basically what God is saying, within these boundaries, enjoy life. I'm going to give you some boundaries, some things to stay away from, but other than that, enjoy it. Have fun. Yes, Christians, you can have fun. But it's a different kind of fun than the world. The world thinks that having fun is going to a bar and getting slammered and then waking up in a ditch somewhere, you know, or waking up next to somebody that you've never seen before. People, weird, they think that that's a really good time. I don't think that's a good time. But you, as believers, we could have such a wonderful time within the parameters that God has set before us. And feel free to play within the boundaries. You can do whatever you want, within reason, of course. But you're safe because I've set the borders. Enjoy it. And there's a freedom about that. And so God is doing that. He's told them in advance. He's told them what they're going to do. And he's showing them that if they don't cling to him, this is the road they're going to go down to. Now, We've been going through first and second Kings and first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, and we've seen this familiar pattern of a king, you know, coming to power and then falling into sin, and then God allowing his enemies to raise up against him, and then they're either beaten really bad, and then they finally cry out to God, and then God raises up a deliverer or raises up a new king, and then you know they come to and it's just this constant the book of Judges was like that, you've heard me say this, and so is Kings. It, it, it's just it's just this constant thing. And it's like we don't learn. You'd think, you know, and we have this wonderful blessing of having the Word of God before us because we're scanning over pages. And sometimes between events, there's decades, 100 years, 200 years, and we're seeing the whole thing condensed. And we see the same pattern. We see that, that God means what he says, and he says what he means. He's a God of order. He's a God of justice. He's serious about obedience. He's serious about disobedience. And so the children of Israel now, as we look at Second Kings chapter 17, it's a very long chapter, and we're just going to get right into it because it is long. Normally I like to read shorter chapters in its totality to kind of get the, the feel of what it is, and then we go back and take a look at it. But tonight we're not going to be able to do that. I would encourage you to read this over again and read these passages in, in Deuteronomy 27 through 30 and then, and then read 2 Kings 17. And it, the, the Deuteronomy passages really prepare you for what you're going to read now because God is basically saying, I told you, I told you, I told you, and now God is going to bring it full circle. I told you that I was going to do this if you did this, and now I've got to bring it full circle. I've got to come around and fulfill that which I've said. And do you think for a minute that God is happy? We know the passage is right. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. 
It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He would rather us choose life, right? To choose life. Isn't that what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, toward the end there? He says, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. And boy, isn't that an anti-abortion message for you. Choose life. Thus saith the Lord. Because he said it. So look at verse 1 in chapter 2 Kings chapter 17. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned nine years. So you have Ahaz ruling in the southern two tribes, uh, Judah and Benjamin, otherwise known just as Judah. And then we have now Hoshea, who was Israel's last king, um, the last king in the northern ten tribes, and, uh, and he reigned for nine years. And, and Ahaz began uh, his vice-regency under his father Jotham in 744 B.C. So the twelfth year of Ahaz was 732. So you do 744 minus 12 and you come to 732. And so Hosea reigned from 732 till 722, a total of nine years. And, um, and notice, uh, he was the 19th and the last king of the ninth dynasty of the northern kingdom of Israel. Judah only had one dynasty, the Davidic dynasty, because they went from father to son, from father to son, father to son. There was no break in that. But in the, the northern kingdom, there were nine different dynasties. It wasn't all consecutive. And this was the final one, the ninth one, Hosea, the 19th king. And it was during his reign... Uh, that Shalmaneser V, the king of Assyria, came and besieged Syria for three years. And when they would besiege a town, what they would do is they would surround it with a military and they would starve the people out. They would cut off all of, their in, all of the places where they would go out of town to get food or water or whatever, and, um, and they would just surround you. And eventually they would starve you out. And there are so many prophets that talked about the calamities and the desperate things that the children of Israel would go through when they were led captive or when they were in a siege and the horrible things that they would have to do to survive. Mothers giving birth to their children or their stillborn children and then eating them because there was nothing else to eat. Think of that, ladies. I mean, it doesn't get more graphic and horrible than that. I mean, to me, that is like the worst thing that could ever happen. And, and a mother would, 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 would do that because she's starving. It's all they've got. And so Hosea became king because he murdered Pekah, the son of Remaliah, and so he, he obtained his crown by murder. And notice that Hosea now, this last king of the northern kingdom, in verse 2 it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. And this is just a way of God saying that he wasn't as bad as the other kings because Ahaz or you know, other kings were really horrible. And this guy was really bad. He was evil, but he wasn't as bad. Do you understand that if you're bad and you don't come to Christ, you're still going to hell? And if you're really, really horrible, I mean, just decrepit and miserable and horrible, you're still going to hell too? So God doesn't look at it like, well, he, you know, he might make it because he's only a little bit evil. No, he's he just a way of comparison, 
comparing another king to another king. Like, this guy did this much horrible stuff, but this guy. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.